Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Thursday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We got a packed show for you on this Thursday. It is a opening day preview. Colin Brister hops on to talk some Ole Miss baseball. We hadn't chatted since the rotation was set. With Derek Diamond going on Friday, John Gaddis on Saturday, Drew McDaniel on Sunday. So we got into that. Some Charleston Southern stuff. There's actually more familiar names on Charleston Southern. Yes, you heard that correctly. Charleston Southern than you would imagine. Remember Caleb Hill, uh, a kid that pitched a little bit sparingly on the 2019 team, is probably going to be their Saturday or Sunday guy. They got a lot of Mississippi ties as well. I believe their Friday night kid. It's a guy from Lewisburg. So we got into that, looked around the SEC a bit and kind of explored the uh, underlying questions surrounding this baseball team, both big picture and small. So enjoyed the uh, the opening weekend preview chat with Colin. We were going to have Skybox's NASCAR guy on. Well, we did, but I'm going to save that for Friday and put that together with Mailback Friday and go ahead and uh, release the baseball preview to the masses today. But you don't want to miss the Friday show, Skybox's NASCAR handicapping guru talked to me for about an hour explaining NASCAR to me like I'm four, the differences in uh, the car models this season. They changed cars, who's the favorite, all that good stuff. Uh, learned a lot about NASCAR and why you should wager on it because he uh, he has Vegas beat. So be on the lookout for that and then submit your mailback questions. If you have them, whether it's Twitter, email, whatever, just hit me up anyway, any way uh, you see fit and we will get those mailback questions in and read on the show. All right, before we get going though, I want to remind you, speaking of Skybox Sports Picks, I can't even do it. Who <laughs> Podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is got Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. <clears throat> They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Go check out their NASCAR package. They are giving it away for free for three weeks or four weeks. Yet they haven't decided yet. The reason they're doing that, which you'll hear in greater detail on Friday, is because NASCAR has changed their car model entirely. And Skybox, because they want to put on a good product for the people, does not want to charge picks when there's so many variables and he's not quite sure exactly how some of the things are going to model out with the new equipment. So they're giving them away for free for four weeks. But once they get an edge, they're sticking it up behind the paywall. And you need to be on top of it. If you buy the NASCAR package now, you get the futures for free. And if you use the promo code NASCAR, that's NASCAR, N-A-S-C-A-R, you get 30% off. So check them out. They're crushing it on college basketball. They released some stats last week on how they're up 74 units over the last year to date. They entered the season, this season, up 105 units over the last two years. They are just raking in the money. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. We got March Madness coming up. We've got conference tournaments coming up. You don't want to miss out on Skybox. They're testing out some NBA models that have been profiting pretty consistently on the over-unders in particular. Playoffs coming up for that here in the next month or so. Go to skyboxsportspicks.com. Find a picks package that fits your price range. You can do week-long, month-long, do all sports, sports-centric. They're going to have something. I'd recommend going with the year-long all-sports pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some. But if you're looking for something a little more uh, conducive to your budget, they're going to have that, and you're going to profit in the long run. So really, it's just an investment. You're making money. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Any other package that's not NASCAR, use the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E, and you get 20% off. Check them out. Best in the business. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. 
best place in Mississippi to get meat if you're a Rippy Rides subscriber. That's rippyrides.substack.com. Right now, you get a free newsletter from me three to five times a week and discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. Just go show Greg proof of subscription, and he'll get you set up. And then go find your own favorites at LB's. All kinds of great stuff there. Crab stuff, mushrooms, fresh seafood, sausages. Uh, I always like the filet burgers. But any sort of cut that you want, Greg's going to have it, and he's going to make sure your grilling experience is great. We got warmer weather coming down the pipe. We passed the snowmageddon here in Dallas. Hopefully there's warmer weather wherever you are listening to this on the horizon. You're going to want to start throwing stuff on the grill. You need to go buy LBs if you're in Oxford and go see Greg because your grilling experience will be better because of it. And they got a second location coming. They will be in Glugstadt this spring to serve the uh, central Mississippi Jackson area, which is uh, a delight to everyone who lives there because LBs is a crown jewel of grilling. Check them out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. All right, here's Colin Brister and I just uh, chopping it up on baseball for a bit. I was going to do an open on Kermit Davis and the nonsensical, the series of nonsensical things that happened on Tuesday night in their loss to South Carolina, but uh, I actually just teed Colin up with that at the end, and we ended up just kind of uh, having a venting fest on how nonsensical the entire thing was at the very end of this pod. So I'll just let that speak for itself. Here is Colin Brister. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. The season is here. You can sense the excitement in my voice. I'm not being facetious at all. We are, by the time people are listening to this, probably it is opening day. It will definitely be opening day. It probably dropped Thursday night. College baseball season is upon us once again. I'm pumped to talk some baseball. Ole Miss plays Charleston Southern this weekend, but we'll bounce around to some other SEC stuff as well. The wait is over, my friend. Do you still get the same kind of uh, – sense of excitement for every college baseball season uh, as you did uh, years ago? If you want to be honest, no. Um, just because I've, I've so much, like, I'm coaching ball now, so, like, I have so much more to do. Like, you know, it's funny. I've always done been, like, eight to five until I got into teaching. So, I've been – I've been like, this is probably the least amount of Ole Miss basketball I've ever watched in my life. So, I've kind of toned I'm down. Much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad I didn't watch last night. Um, but so I've, I've kind of toned down, like, my emotional investment in college sports. But, no, I'm still excited. Like, I know that uh, the first game is, like, at 1 o'clock on Friday. I'll be on a bus going to Belmont, Mississippi, to help coach a girls' basketball game. Um, so I feel I feel like there's a really good chance that that some college baseball game will be on my Chromebook at 1 o'clock as we're, as we're on, on the yellow dog going to Belmont. So I think I've gone the opposite way from you. Now that I don't work in this full time anymore, I'm actually more excited. I wrote about this in the newsletter earlier or earlier this week, I guess, at this point with people listening. I think the most fun I ever had doing some sort of college baseball outlet or covering it or whatever the hell you want to call whatever it is we do now was last year of us just doing this podcast sure. twice a week to where like I didn't really have to do anything. We just did this because it was a lot of fun. I mean, hell, at the time I was like, I think I could pay you eventually. I'm not really sure how that works. We'll see where this goes. But, like, I was just like, let's just do this and see where it goes. And it probably helps that I'm not having to sit at Swayze Field for four and a half hours on a Tuesday night in the midweek, right? And so I got to watch a lot of different, like, college baseball as well and kind of watch from, I guess you could call it afar, but with COVID, it wasn't sure. that afar. I guess I just put it this way. Like, I get more excited now just kind of, like, not knowing I have any obligations. I just get to kind of consume the sport as a – I guess you could call it a fan of the sport, but really just a consumer. Because when you're covering Ole Miss, you don't get to actually watch a ton of college baseball. Right. Do you know what we were doing a year ago right now? 
I was sitting at my house probably losing money on college basketball wagering, wondering what my next move was from a writing standpoint and being like, you got to do something, pal. We can't keep going home and figuring out what the early slate of college hoops was. Do, 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 we, we were wondering if Ole Miss was going to be able to get to Dallas because of the snow to play their opening weekend oh, of college baseball. It was, that, a, it was a year ago the snowstorm hit. So that's right. That's actually – so last year, which is kind of weird because I was kind of at ground zero of this thing, right? So we yeah. were still on a hybrid work schedule in terms of my office because of COVID. But I was supposed to go in, you know, two, three days a week or whatever it was, and that got all nixed because of the snowstorm. And, you know, a lot of times when guys get into leadership positions, they make the safe decision, and mm -hmm. it's one that's easily criticized. I will give who – I don't know who runs that tournament that was in Arlington last year – who was in charge of it, but standing ovation for them for looking at the weather forecast and remaining headstrong. No, we can get this done if we delay it a day, because this time as we're speaking, which is late on a Wednesday night, it I didn't I think was like a third world country this time last year. I had actually tried to drive to my apartment in Arlington from my girlfriend's place in Fort Worth because I was thought there was a decent chance my water heater had busted because we got an email from my complex and I had to go 30 miles an hour down an interstate, I-30 in Texas, and destroyed my windshield because a piece of ice hit it. We're talking like Ooh. survival fight or flight mode on Wednesday. But it yeah. dried up on that Thursday a little bit warmer. And then they delayed the tournament a day. And it was 50 degrees on Friday, and we were smooth sailing. And I feel like a lot of decision makers would have just said to hell with this. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because that, that thing – on about Wednesday night, I'm like, I don't know how in the world they're going to get this in. But I knew if they could get out there, they could they could play the tournament. But the worry was, like, I know Ole Miss and State were like, how do we get out of here? And both of them, if I'm not mistaken, had to go to Birmingham to get on get to an airport that they could get out of. And I believe they flew together. Is, is Yeah, I think, I, that's, that I think that might be right, yeah. I mean, it was a cluster uh, getting them out there. So – uh, yeah, a year ago today, we were we were dealing with the snowpocalypse. I remember I had COVID during this, so I, like, timed it really well. I had two weeks off from school because of COVID because I had it, and then I had a week off from school because of the snowstorm. So, like, the whole month of February last year, I didn't go to school. Which is nice. And I remember yes. last year, I was just – so I had a, my best friend from college, uh, my podcast guest now, I guess some of the listeners know, Michael Portner, the NIL guy was coming in from Newport Beach, California to come to this series. And we had a decent group of dudes that wanted to go. And at that point, I hadn't really been to any sporting events as just like a spectator or a fan. I was, you know, nine, six, seven months out here in uh, – or since I had left Super Talking, about four months out living in Dallas. But, you know, world shut down. Like, I didn't get to go to any events. And we were at that demoralizing point where I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is going to get canceled. I've been looking forward to this for a month and a half. And then it happened. And honestly, it was kind of the turning point because we got in that nice ballpark that the Rangers have out there, pristine facility. And look, they separated the seats. They were as safe as they could possibly be. Let's just say they weren't masked Nazis out there. And that was really the first slice of normalcy I had gotten in some time watching Ole Miss play for those two days. I didn't get to see the Texas game because I had to go back to work. But, like, I remember sitting there with six, seven people that I enjoyed their company watching a college baseball game in a fairly normal setting. And I, I really remember sitting there being like, okay, we're going to be all right. Like, we got this done. This feels normal. Like, this is going to be awesome. And what, three weeks later, Ole Miss kind of reneged on their uh, season ticket decision, and it was, it was open season from there. It was awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember they uh, – actually, it was two weeks because I remember they played the UCF series, and I, I went to one of the games because they, they still had that 25% attendance. And I'm sitting around, and I'm like, I, I just – like, what are we doing at this right. point? And then the Belmont series the next week, they were – I think Ole Miss had, like, was going to be like, yeah, we're going to let 80% in. And then, like, on Friday, 10,000 people showed up, and they're like, screw it. Let them in. And from then on, it was it – was, uh, it was chaos until, like, the regional announcements where people – that was the funniest thing to do. They were like, yeah, we're going to have 50% attendance at the regionals. And Ole Miss was like, oh, okay. Well, our capacity is 25,000. Right. And then, of course, like, you know, to, it, it very slowly deteriorated like, into, well, we'll leave it up to the schools. Well, yeah. and then it got to, like, a week before the the selection deal. Because remember, they did the pre-selected sites. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it ended up being just to cover their bases, and it was like, well, actually, none of what we said is true, which is very on-brand NCAA. But maybe that's why I'm kind of excited, or as excited or as ever about it, is uh, appreciating the fact that we kind of get to do this. Like, I remember I flew back home for one occasion last year. I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was the Vanderbilt regular season series, and I kind of looked around. I was sitting in the seats with my dad, and I was just like, this game could be 15 to nothing either way. And I wouldn't care. Like, this is just kind of awesome to be able to do again. And like, yeah, you're not that far yeah. removed from that, you know? No, it's, it, and, and what's crazy. I've talked to another teacher about this today. It's like, you know, can you, like we were talking, can you believe it's been two years since, since COVID really took off, you know, it'll be two years in about three weeks. And it's like, it feels like it was yesterday and it feels like it was five years ago. Like, does that make, like, it feels like yes, it happened yesterday and also a hundred years ago. Yeah, because I remember exactly. I was actually uh, not that my yeah. bosses at Super Talk would want to know at the time was looking to move out here, and it come out here for like a job interview. My girlfriend and I's birthday is the first week of March, so we went to a Stars game for my birthday, and the world shut down the next day, and that feels like yesterday. But then at the same time, the mid June weekend where I'm playing golf for the twelfth time because it's the only thing open also feels like twelve yeah. years ago. Yeah, like I can remember exactly what I was doing. I was coming home from a from a baseball game at Bruce. And I remember getting calls like, hey, we're fisting to be at home for a little while. And I remember that phone call like it was yesterday. And, and you know, like, but then I also remember, like you were talking about the June weekend. I remember vividly walk, waking up at 4 a.m. to watch a Korean baseball game because I was that miserable. I was that bored. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's crazy that we've been dealing with it for two years. And, and thankfully, it, it feels like, hopefully we're on the 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 last portions of it oh yeah look i mean you live in mississippi i live in texas well the, our, our respective states gave up on this a long time ago we yeah frankly whether whether it's for better or for worse but i think we are getting back to normal with this thing but you're right about like the june part of it like if someone i didn't have anything fairly significant happen in my life i would say from the april to june but like if someone something happened in July and someone like reminded me it was like actually that happened in April, I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah, that sounds right. Like it was all just a flat <laughs> circle. Like <laughs> you could have uh, seen yeah. anything at that point. March of twenty twenty to July of twenty twenty was the same day for four months. Yes, it was. Like <laughs> when when was the next episode of the Jordan documentary? And you know, I was Tiger a little King. bit more disturbed in the head after I finished Tiger King. Those were the only landmarks. Like that was pretty much it. 
So we better talk about Ole Miss before someone turns us off. Yeah, exactly. But I, I just you know, it just got me more excited for the season now that I remember just what a hellish three months that was. Speaking of three months, Ole Miss is going to have a three month regular season coming up. Oh god! You know we got a long fifty six game slate ahead of us. It starts with Charleston Southern this weekend. We could go in a number of different directions. Let's maybe start with an insular Ole Miss side of it. The weekend rotation was uh, made sure. public earlier this week, and we had talked about this when we did our preview last week that I figured, and I think you agreed with me, that we, was, we figured it would be Diamond, Gaddis, and Washburn, which that actually did not turn out to be the case. But as you pointed out, it's like if it's McDaniel, like I wouldn't be stunned at all. And that's actually what happened. So the Ole Miss is going to go Derek Diamond, John Gaddis, and Drew McDaniel. I'll just open it up to you. What does that tell you? Um, it tells me that Drew McDaniel has continued pitching well over from the fall end of the spring. Um, I don't know. So, so here's here's the thing. I'm not there. I haven't. I'll be honest. I haven't been to one inner inner squad. Um, here's what I it, it, I think it tells me is that Drew McDaniel pitched really well, and I don't know if that means Jack Washburn did not pitch well or not. Maybe Drew just pitched better than he did. I don't know. Um, I'm not gonna put. You know, I'm not gonna get down on Jack Washburn at all. I mean, the kid was really good at Oregon State last year, and I know it's easy to say, well, Drew had his struggles last year, and I get that, but um he's also got really good stuff was really highly recruited out of Lafayette um so I don't know I I I thought it was interesting um I will say this if if Ole Miss and I know this is long odds that Ole Miss has the same rotation in May but if Ole Miss is good enough to not put Jack Washburn on the weekends then Ole Miss is going to be really good at pitching the baseball does that make sense Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was going to take it a step further, and we can let's let's stick with the McDaniel part of this for now. But I I agree. Sure. I, I think that that that's that would be an optimal scenario for Ole Miss for sure. Yeah, I mean, if, if Jack Washburn is the guy that throws two or three innings out of your bullpen, um, then that means Ole Miss is really good on the mound um, because he's got dynamite stuff and can be a be an ace in this league at some point in his career. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. All three of those guys will get opportunities against Charleston Southern. And, and look, I know it's, you know, not the, the big-name opponents that Ole Miss pay, uh, faced last weekend – or last year, excuse me, on the first weekend. But um, it's a team that, that I'm sure Mac will have ready to go. And, and they'll have to pitch well if they want to put good numbers up. I think it's a series that Ole Miss probably should and will sweep. Um, but – you know, uh, it's it's a team that probably if you don't pitch it well, you're probably not going to be able to overpower them. So you better be able better be able to hit spots and mix pitches and do all those sorts of things. And uh, um, it'll be interesting to see if Daniel gets it done. I really think that's the storyline going into this week. And I think John Gaddis will be fine. I think, uh, frankly, I think Derek Donald will be fine. It's going to be interesting to see how McDaniel pitches and how they use Washburn if they do it all. Yeah, no, I think you're right too. So. Using Washburn aside from this weekend, because they're like we've seen this before where a guy gets used kind of slightly maybe once on an opening weekend and still pitches Tuesday. Don't you feel pretty confident that he gets the start Tuesday, Washburn? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Who who did they play Tuesday? It's always Arkansas State. I'm sure that's who it is. That is actually exactly who it is. That is correct. Yeah, they always play Arkansas State on that opening Tuesday. It's the weirdest thing. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would think. But like like you said, like I remember in 2019 – Maybe 2018, Houston Rock came into the game on Friday and then was the, the Tuesday starter because everybody kind of regarded him as the number four starter. 
Um, and I, that could be how they use Washburn. Look, I mean, Derek Diamond's not going to go throw nine innings on Friday. So someone's going to have to probably bridge it to Doherty or to Brandon Johnson. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, I would, look, if I'm a, if I'm a betting person on this, I would, I would absolutely say that Washburn probably gets the ball Tuesday against Arkansas State. Yeah, and Mike actually said in his media availability today, he believes that um, Gaddis and Diamond will be on like 90 pitch pitch counts. And he thinks sure. that, uh, or excuse me, uh, I think it was actually Diamond and McDaniel and that he believes Gaddis will be around 75-ish. And so we, I think the reason he cited was that Gaddis missed one week of the spring, like one week of the inner squads or prep up in the spring. I gotcha. think it's completely fine from a health standpoint. This is not uncommon by any stretch. I mean, he did it with Doug every year. I'm sure he probably did it with Gunner, too. I just can't remember. Yeah, you know, early in the year, there's just no reason to extend him out. So, yeah, they will absolutely be on a pitch count. It'll give some guys some different chances. As far as Drew McDaniel goes, I wrote about this earlier this week, and I think we probably talked about it some as well. Last year, he had moments, but he yeah. also had some struggles, and I think he sometimes struggled with some confidence. I think he also struggled to put the ball in the strike zone at times. And I think – or excuse me – locating I don't think it was necessarily putting the ball in the strike zone I think it was predictability and probably being sure. a uh, healthy part of cool. the strike zone too often but one of the things that Mike deserves credit for and this staff deserves credit for is a first year I say first year guy last year was Drew yeah. first full season of college baseball right correct correct we talk about the analytics thing we love to jab Mike about some of his previous antiquated tendencies the way they use analytics when it comes to pitching is something they deserve credit for, and I don't think something that gets talked about enough. Look at Derek Diamond's media day press conference where he's talking about the spin rate on the fastball and, like, the way he wants to yep. use the slider as a wipeout pitch and be more consistent with the changeup. And he's citing all these different analytical factors, um, you know, and it almost sounds like a mad scientist, but also sounds like a man with a plan at the same time. I'm curious to see what this second-year version of McDaniel looks like because more often than not, in the last four or five years, a guy that's kind of been a two-pitch guy who has talent and it ended up being a contributor for them, the reason that they ended up ascending and being a contributor is because they developed a third pitch or he got really, 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 really good at a second pitch. And I'm curious to see what that looks like because McDaniel was basically, you know, 95 plus a curveball. I know he has like a slider and a changeup, but like not, not something you saw a ton and that were consistent. I'm curious to see kind of what he looks like from an arsenal standpoint. Yeah, he's got really good stuff from an electric standpoint, from the fastball that can get up there and be low. And I've heard there's been an uptick in that this year. Um, he's going to have to, like you said, develop a changeup, and I think he has. They can throw consistently. And I think the the uh, fact that he's the Sunday guy probably tells you that he it has developed that third pitch. I don't think they would throw a guy out there on Sunday, especially with Jack Washburn waiting in the wings, that they can only throw two pitches. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think you're you made a really good point. They've really uh, dug in with with analytical stuff and rap soto. Uh, I know that's big for them, um, and and how they use it. So yeah, I think look, I think Drew came in as as a guy that was really highly recruited that they tried to get into some games early in 2020, and um, I think he deserves the opportunity to to pitch himself out of the rotation. I mean. Look, there's a there's a like there was a lot of criticism Drew last year because of what happened against Southern Miss. But if you remember a week before that, he dominates Georgia um, in an SEC tournament game. Um, a week after Georgia kind of blitzed him, um, so the the stuff is there and it's real. It's just he's got to be able to harness it. And and if he's able to, I think that can make Ole Miss really really good. 
Um, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I, I think Drew McDaniel's got a load of talent. And, man, if, if he's able to, to harness all that and put it out on display, then that almost has a chance to be really good on the mound. I was going to this a second ago, but I was going to wait because I want to do a couple of McDaniel things. At the end of the day, and this is purely off projection and kind of what I was able to gather from watching some Oregon State stuff, this is not a knock on anyone that's in the rotation, and it doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to struggle. But if you made me kind of pull a candidate in terms of lack of consistency, I'd probably wager on McDaniel being the guy versus Gaddis. Don't you think Washburn's in the weekend rotation at some point this year when it's all said and done? Yeah. If you had to bet yes or no, he's a weekend rotation guy in eight, second weekend of April, yes or no? Brian, yes, but here's where, here's where I struggle, right? Like, all right, let's just – and I don't, I don't like going down this road because people are going to misconstrue what I'm saying. Let's just pretend that a world exists where Derek Diamond is not able to go on Friday nights for Ole Miss, okay? Just, just stay with me here. Oh, it's a great point. I know where you're going. Go ahead, who is Ole Miss's next best option on Friday night? It's not John Gaddis, is it? I mean, John Gaddis is the lefty that's 86 to 88. That man, He's going to be really good on Saturday. But it's kind of that Christian Trent thing where you put him on Fridays and it's not great. It doesn't look great. Is it Drew McDaniel or is it Jack Washburn? Because I just kind of think that he's the guy with the stuff that if, if Diamond is not able to get it done, and I'm not saying that he is or isn't, but I feel like if there's a the, if if he's got Friday night stuff and a Friday night arsenal, that yes, at some point he's probably going to be in your rotation. No, I think it's a great point. You're dead on with that too, because it's it's something we talked about last week a little bit as well, and just kind of throughout the offseason, like none of these three dudes are going to have a terribly long leash. Um, I'm not going to go as far I as – I think the guy with the longest leash is the guy going on Saturday. Yeah, I'm about to say you just – you took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to just say I don't – I'm not going to go as far as to say Gaddis has the longest leash, but in terms of like comfortability with the role, what they're asking of him, he might end up having the longest leeway because of what he kind of projects as versus what he asks him to do. I, I could not agree more in that sense. It's kind of weird to say – but you're right. Like, say Derek Diamond struggles, as you the, the hypothetical as you just outlined. He's not going to have a long leash. This is not – like, if Gunnar Hoagland – and it's a bad example because he kind of shoved – he was never – Until it got canceled he, and 2021. Yeah. But, like, say he had had a slow start. Mike was giving that dude four starts or five starts yeah. for the entire my favorite, conference. My right. favorite thing about Gunnar last year was, uh, if you remember – they started him on Saturday, and it's like I, – and I just – I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, he's going to put up right now probably better numbers than Doug because at the beginning of the year, it's kind of about, you know, what you can do from an Arsenal standpoint. It's like, how are they going to justify putting Gunner ahead of Doug at some point? And, and they, they finally did it. It was like, I don't know how you can justify because Doug's going to pitch really well too. And you got a better version of Doug. There's something about yes. the bull, right? Like, you get the elite-level arm talent stuff guy, and that's a weird thing to say because it's not like Doug sucked. Like, it's no. not like – you know, Doug got drafted in the second round or whatever by the Cleveland Indians, or excuse me. Doug's going to pitch in the big leagues. Yes, exactly. But, like, from a pure arm talent, he was not Gunnar Hoagland. He was not no. a first-round pick out of high school. He was a dude that showed up in Oxford with a skateboard and some long hair and was a pretty good <laughs> prospect – I mean, pretty good, uh, you know, recruit. 
like there's something about just the elite level stuff on Friday for whatever reason that plays because Doug wasn't a bad Friday guy at all, but he became the legend of Doug Nikhazy because he was on Saturday in part. And you'll never convince me otherwise. Does that make any no. sense or does that sound hopeful? Well, no, that's that's exactly right because it was weird, right? Because I could I had this conversation. I remember having it with Ben Garrett when Ole Miss lost on Friday night in Starkville. Okay, because if you remember, Ole Miss had lost the Florida series, they had lost the Arkansas series, yep. and they lost on Friday night in Starkville. And Gunner pitched a gym, and and me and Ben are sitting there talking, and and he's like, I, he's like, I don't know what what they're gonna do. I'm like, well, here's the deal. Like, if they've lost two series in a row and they've lost to Friday night in Starkville, there are zero other human beings you want on the mound tomorrow than the guy that's going to be on the mound. Now, from a talent standpoint, was he more talented than Gunner? No. But when you had to have it, there was no other cat in the world that you want – well, in college baseball, that you want to build that mound with an Ole Miss jersey on. Yes, and there's probably some aspect of it, you know, Doug being the competitor that he is, and he's a little bit more demonstrative and emotional to where I think there was an aspect of him knowing he was better than anyone else he yeah. was going to go up against on a Saturday, too. That's a huge advantage, right? Right. So I heard – I can't remember where I heard this, but it's it kind of surmises what Doug was to this program last year. It was like – and Clem said it, and I can't. I wish I could remember who, what, where he said it. But it, he, he said when they were talking about Arizona, when they were having to go out there and they were talking to people, it's like he, he was talking to a scout or something. He's like, we just got to figure out how to win a game, one game. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, the, the Saturday game, we're winning. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> that was the case for the last six weeks. We knew yeah. they were going to win the second game of the series. Yeah. It's like, that one's over. So – um, we got to figure out how to win a game. Unfortunately for them, they couldn't figure it out. But it was like uh, in the regional when they won on Friday against Southeastern Missouri. It's like, well, the regional's over because they're sure as hell not losing on Saturday. Yes, and it took like some luck and an error or whatever, but yeah, that was not the allure of Doug Nikhazy, right? Like that just yeah. – like there was something about the energy in the stadium when that happened too. But like to your point, like bringing it back in to the conversation sure. of like this year, if Diamond struggles, you are right. Like it's – it's not going to be Drew McDaniel. Now, look, it's this weird things happen every year. Is there a world where Drew McDaniel has three pitches that are really just nasty and then he kind of has a fourth that's like, okay, and he just lights the league on fire? Sure, I guess. Like, that, you know, crazier things it happen. Happens. But given what we know right now, it's probably not Drew McDaniel and it's probably not John Gaddis. So to your point, it's probably a legitimate three-pitch guy with the mid-90s fastball that has, you know, power five experience was an asset in a program like Oregon State. Like that to me would be the second option. And so when we talk about Washburn eventually ended up in the weekend rotation, I kind of singled out uh, McDaniel, which probably wasn't totally fair, but like kind of a, it's, a, it's a good point that you made where it's like none of these three dudes have a long leash. And so I think he's going to get a crack at it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do too. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. And, and- What's kind of funny is, like, they get the opportunity, I feel like, to play around. Well, look, they can get they can get bombed a little bit and, and have bad stats, and you can justify, you know, taking folks off the mound. But the reality is Ole Miss's offense is probably going to mask a lot early in the year against, you know, inferior pitching staffs. Um, so they're going to have the opportunity to see what guys can do and give them a, give them a little bit more time just because their offense is going to be insane. So – that, that's something that's going to – I mean, can you imagine if, like, 
Ole Miss just returned a good offense and not like, you know, maybe the best one in the country. And they just had to – they're having to figure out a pitching staff as they as they kind of figure out the offense. They would be in kind of some deep doo-doo maybe. Oh, if they look, they're this is the entire season is different, right? You're talking about this team, yeah. like, can they be a two seed? I mean, that's yeah. not hyperbolic, right? If they're not returning no. the offense, they're returning. It's like, oh, could this team be a, a two seed? And to your point, like, they're not, look, they're not going to, they're not facing the steepest of competition in non conference play. It just kind of happens yeah. on a year in and year out basis. But look, man. The, the, the kid that uh, – we'll get into the Charleston Southern aspect of it, and we're not going to dive into, you know, knee-deep in Charleston Southern's, like, Team OPS last year or some shit. But, like, the Bryce Brock kid they're going to throw on Friday yeah. is the Mississippi State fallback, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. he's Lewisburg yeah. kid, the Hines route, left-hander, he's okay. Oh, he'll throw well on Friday night. Do you know who they might throw on Saturday or Sunday? I don't. Caleb Hill. Oh, that's right. And I can't take that's that. That's right. He texted me about 45 minutes before he started recording. And I was like, I knew when I was going through that roster, I was like, yeah, I think Damn he's it. a Saturday guy. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> that just sets up for a nightmare. <laughs> the, the so, so, wait, wait. On Friday, on Friday night, they're going to pitch a kid from Mississippi that Ole Miss probably didn't offer. And on Saturday, they're going to pitch Caleb Hill, who Ole Miss kind of told to leave. That is correct. Welcome to the college baseball season. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate about they told Hill to leave. I just know he transferred. Um, was, but, I got some mixed reviews because they were high on that guy. Like, I mean, you, you got sold yeah. when you first got to campus, like closer to the future thing. And then he had a small-ish role on that 2019 team. He wasn't like a kid that they ran off that wasn't on the travel roster. I think there was probably a little bit of mutual stuff there, if that makes sense. Not animosity, sure. but like, hey, I'd probably try another path type of thing instead of, hey, kid, pack your shit and get out of here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, oh Caleb Hill and Bryce Brock. How about that? Oh, God help us. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun. That'll be a great storyline. I'm I'm sure the student section will have fun with that. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, and, look, I, I say all that to say this. Like, yes, they're going to have two guys that will probably be amped up to face Ole Miss. But at the end of the day, like, Ole Miss is going to hit Jacob Gonzalez second, right? Like, Tim Oka is going to grab a bat. So, it doesn't – you know, the, the offense is still going to be probably be able to figure it out. Oh, absolutely. And that's what so, – like, the that's what I think what you won't find out till SEC play. Like, I think there will be nights where this offense, like a Friday night guy that you think – like, a, particularly in a league that's, as we've talked about a lot, right. the first three podcasts is kind of devoid of established Friday night guys. I think there's going to be nights where Ole Miss put six, seven runs on a Friday night guy that was kind of probably generating some buzz coming in and, like, I would say humble some arms. So to your you, like you said, they're going to mask some deficiencies. And no, I'm not necessarily worried per se about Ole Miss going up against the left-handed Brock no. and Caleb Hill. It's just the competition is not great. But like, they could they lose a game to where Caleb Hill or anyone in the first three weekends like shoves? It's like yes, sure. But the offense is going to give them a lot of a safety net to figure it out on the mound. Is the point? Yeah, yeah, and and they'll be fine. Um, which is which is a a luxury when you talk about trying to figure out the pitching staff. You got four weekends before you start SEC play, and SEC play, if I remember right, starts kind of light. So maybe even have a little bit more time than that. Um, yeah, you know, it's this, this offense is, and it's kind of even hard to talk about because, like, you know, it, it's a known commodity at this point, right? So I don't know. Um, 
it's it's going to mask a lot of issues, and and that's but that's what elite offenses do. I think you know if you're looking at a model and you're looking at a team uh, that you could look to and say, hey, I hope Ole Miss is that. I think frankly the the model was Arizona last year, right? Just hit the crap out of the baseball and hope there's enough arms to get you through. Uh, yes, and if they foul off the amount of pitches, uh, <laughs> we're going to be do- that Arizona did. We might be doing some late Sunday podcast, but man, yeah, that was you know. In terms of being locked into college baseball and locked into exactly what this team's doing, I think I'd probably say it's fair. I've been that way for about eight years now from the time I started covering it on. Yeah. I watched college baseball and, like, knew every – you know, watched Ole Miss growing up, but not to that degree. That was an offensive lineup unlike anything I'd ever seen to where – I mean, we talked about it the last time we were podcasting where it was like Doug walked off after the third inning in that second game, having thrown like 61 pitches and just kind of threw his hands up in there. I was like, I got nothing else for this. Like if they can yeah, become I, something like that, which I think they can in a different yeah. way. I don't know if it's fouling off the pitches, but I think it's a guy making two good pitches in a row. One of them ends up in the seats. The other one's up off the wall and the pitcher's like, well, what do I do with this? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I mean, hell, let's just, I tell you what, we can, we can do this. We can go through it. They're going to lead, I think, Pat, Peyton Shatney off on, on, on Friday night. Is that, is that probably fair? Yes, I think it goes Chatagnier, Gonzalez, fill out the rest. Uh, Graham, Elko, McCants, Dunhurst, Bench, Alderman, Burford, okay? Yeah. Um, that's a one through seven that's not like – like don't – I want to make sure this is clear. That's a one through seven that's a nightmare. Like – and then that's an eight guy that can hit a ball about 550 feet. And then, and then we'll have to see on Burford. Um, but, like, it's, it's just one after the freaking other with this, this, this lineup. I mean, that's um, you six old hitter Justin Vinch. Yeah. That's six I old hitter that's got a 900 OPS and will take you off the, you know, off the scoreboard. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's the best lineup they've had in a long, long time. I was about to ask Maybe. you, you got a little better handle than I do in terms oh, of like the Mike Bianco era. There's no holes in this. No, it's – I mean, I could I could talk myself into the 2014 lineup being closed, but it's not It's not as good. It's the best since 05 with like Head and Petway and Coglin and, and that group. Um, and I could – I probably would argue it's better than that. Yeah, it's it's probably the best lineup in Mike's tenure. Well, because on top of that, they have two or three DH options. And, like, I guess there's a world where all three of them fail. But, like, you're talking about Hayden Leatherwood and then two pretty decent safety nets behind him and Ben Van Cleve and Calvin Harris, if need be. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not only the fact that there's no holes. One through five is a complete disaster in terms of opposing <laughs> pitcher trying to get through that. And then it doesn't let up at all. And it's not like a nine-hole guy to where it's like, all right, he gives you a little bit of something he gets on base a lot. It's like, no, one through nine, they could take you off the foul pole. And they don't strike out a ton, mostly. I mean, look, Alderman's going to have some swing and miss stuff. But most of these yeah. dudes don't strike out a ton. Do you know what I would do if I was making the lineup? What is that? Just as, like, a big screw you to the pitcher, I'd leave, like, his first pitch of the game would be to Tim Elko. I'd be like, deal with it, buddy, because I got six more cats coming right at you. <laughs> so he's not going to get any easier even if you batted Elko off. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like with uh, Dillard, like, when they led uh, Dillard off, and, like, the kid, the poor kid for Jacksonville State in the regional championship game, like, trots his little 88-mile-hour fastball up there up the, uh, down the middle, and Dillard hits it on the tennis court. It's like, you, you got to be ready first pitch of the game there. 
yeah, next up is the two-hole guy. So, like, welcome, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the beginning of the game. It's it's interesting going through this uh, Charleston Southern roster. Not that we're going to get too deep into it. Credit to Mark McMillan for kind of yeah. recruiting what he's familiar with. You go up and down this roster. It's Germantown, Madison, Mississippi, Hans. It's East Mississippi Community College, Pearl River, um, Itawamba. There's he's one. He has a ton of JUCO transfers. He's got a transfer from Little Rock that's from Satilla, Mississippi. Like. This man recruited his niece. There's also a decent chance that seven of his nine or seven of his eight position players are JUCO guys. That is a, that is certainly a strategy. I'm not saying it's bad or good, but like I looked up and I was like, wow, this is, this is quite something. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that per se, but it's fascinating. No, I think, I think Max is a really good coach. Um, We'll see. It's uh. He, he's, I mean, when you take a job like that, you're going to have to recruit JUCO guys, obviously. You know, I don't know the inner workings, obviously, of, of College of Charleston, but I'm sure the, the – I don't or I'm not sure, but the last guy was probably let go or left for a reason. So, the talent was probably not what Mac probably needed it to be. Um, so, you probably had to go recruit out of some holes. And so, that's what you do with JUCO guys and transfers, especially nowadays with the transfer portal. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – He'll he'll have a good team. They'll be well coached. That's what he does. Colby Bortles is no Bortles is actually at East Carolina now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, but didn't he spend a year there? Yeah, yeah, I think he spent last year there. Um, so yeah, look, they'll 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 be really well coached. Um, and and I think you know they'll be they'll be a competitive team. That you know obviously look, Ole Miss should win all three games, but um, they don't play well. They they could be a team that Ole Miss is having to fight off in the eighth or ninth inning too. Yeah, I was about to say, not that we're going to – I don't even know what conference they're in, but whatever it is, I didn't write their preview for D1 that one year I was an intern, so I don't know <laughs> it, and I don't feel like doing a preview of the conference. But just on baseline knowledge, between the Brock kid and uh, Caleb Hill, that team is not going to finish last in whatever league. No, no, God, no. Um, no, Matt okay. will do a good job. Yeah, they'll do, they'll do a good job. I think they were they were okay at times last year. So, uh, we'll see. It'll, it'll – I mean, that's probably – not the strongest competition Ole Miss will ever see on opening weekend, but um, they'll have to play well. Here, here's what I'll ask you, and I think I know the answer. Ole Miss has a five to three lead in the ninth on Friday. Who has the ball? Brandon Johnson. Oh wow! Okay, I, I was going to say Doherty. So, um, is that letting Doherty finish, or do you think he comes in for the ninth? Um, I think he probably throws the eighth and ninth in this situation. Okay. That's a good conversation to get into, though, because it's something I wrote about in the newsletter that I wrote, I guess that would be Wednesday. So last year, I feel like Ole Miss like fans or consumers or whatever that followed the team got kind of – Mike, for a while, loved to have roles, right? He loved to have yeah. this guy is this, this guy is that. I think in his later years as a coach, he probably got a little bit better about adapting and being a little more fluid. But Unless it's he, a Sunday and start one Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> Josh. Where, where, where Mike decided it was a good time to have open tryouts for uh, bullpen depth on the mound at Duty Noble. You know, the, chase, the, the, the point that Chase always makes about that, and I'm not even totally sure I like – buy it as an exoneration but i can he threw strikes yes exactly he threw strikes to be fair at that time they were lacking so many dudes strikes but that's a that's a look i for the to be crude for a second we talk about buttholes getting tied in the postseason if mike's butthole got a little tight in that situation i could see why he'd be like you know what this guy puts this in the zone let's put him in there i mean it's it can be a fun place to be as a coach 
never mind that Arkansas tore this kid up twice a week ago, and then he's a freshman. Let's put him on the mound on Sunday at Duty Noble. Look, it's it's one bullet to the head versus you know ball four after ball four and getting shot all getting shot. Or you could have just put Taylor Broadway in. That is also true. But look, that was that was pre. I mean, it should have happened sooner. You know, hindsight. I still think about that game and get pissed off randomly. Like I just like somebody mentioned the, the Ole Miss baseball like still against State, not beating State, and I just my brain went to that game. I'm like, I, I just randomly get pissed off about that decision. They're probably not in Tucson if that doesn't happen. But you know. no, if he wins that game and they go 19-11, they're probably the 10 seed instead of the 12. Yeah, which is a weird year in the SEC because 19 and 11 in most other years, you're you're at your home park. Um, yeah. yeah. But on, so on top of that, though, like as far as it goes to the bullpen, we got so accustomed because of the limited options that they had, right? It was yeah. basically at the end of the year, Doherty, Johnson. You know, maybe can you Probably. get A.S. Burton if you have to actually absolutely have to name your other guy in there. But it's Doherty, yeah. Johnson, and then get the game to Broadway. So we got set to all these roles. I think it could be a little more fluid this year to where it's not like, sure. hey, ninth inning, this is Brandon Johnson's baseball. Maybe the, it plays out that way, and it doesn't necessarily mean that something bad has to happen or someone else has to falter for that to be the case. But with the ar- kind of power arms that you have with Doherty or Johnson, I feel like they could be flexible in how they use them, and it's not necessarily he's the closer, he's the swing man, that's it. Sure. It ends up playing out that way. But I'm curious to see the different things that he tries, and I think – some of the things that he will try through the non-conference season and early conference season will also depend on kind of who else is good, right? Like how many options does he actually end up with? Let me ask you this. What do you make of Brandon Johnson throwing 4.2 innings in an inner squad the other day? Probably largely what I just said. Like, yeah. let's get this guy prepared for a bunch of different things. Like, that, yeah, yeah. And I'll throw it back at you. That's that, that's that's a, that's kind of where I was going. Is is you made a really good point of they're going to give guys different roles and see what they can do. I think it was I think him throwing four over four innings in the inner squad the other day was a sign. Um, I'm pretty sure I read that right from the Ole Miss analytics tweet. Um, you know, I think that's a sign that hey, they're they're willing to do a lot of different things with that guy and with Doherty. And um, I'll say this too. I think that after last year, and, and you can correct me if, I'm, if you think I'm wrong, but I think after last year and some of the struggles that the bullpen had, I think that if you were a scholarship pitcher on this team and you are still on this team, that Ole Miss thinks they can get something out of you. Is that fair? Yes. I think it's relevant that Jackson Kimbrell still on this team. I think it's relevant that Wes Burton is still on this team. I think it's relevant that Mitch Morell is still on this team. I think Mitch Morell is going to pitch for Ole Miss this year. Um, we'll see. I think those are three guys, and, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some. Obviously, Doherty, obviously, Johnson. Um, I think those are three guys that, that Ole Miss is going to – and Max Chofey. Um, how does he respond from Tommy John? I don't, I'm not sure if he's available opening weekend or when he'll be available, but – I it doesn't sound to... like it. it sounds a month minimum. That's a, that feels okay. like a late March, early April shot in the arm, which okay. could be massive. Which could be, yeah, because you're not going to have the, the the scar tissue on your arm. Um, so you know, I, I think if you're like I said, if you're an, an Ole Miss reliever that was uh, still has eligibility and return, I think there's a reason you return, and I think it's because Ole Miss feels like they can get something out of you, and hopefully for Ole Miss's sake, they can. Yeah, and so, like, as we talk about, like, the developed roles or the versatility in preparing Johnson and Doherty to do different things, 
in like a perfect world, if Johnson, if you told me right now, hey, in late May, Johnson went one inning save, one inning save, one and a third, one and a third for the last month of the season to close it out. Doesn't that tell you that they got very good contributions out of the Jackson Kimbrels, out of the West Burtons, out of the Hunter Elliott's or whomever? That tells me the strength in front of them was pretty good. Because if it's like, I mean, it's kind of the Taylor, I don't want to call it Taylor Broadway syndrome, but like if, if he's like, Hey, his last four starts heading into the postseason, or excuse me, last four outings for Brandon Johnson were two and a third, three innings, one and a third, and like four. That tells me, well, they don't have a ton of options. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned the name. I think Hunter Elliott's going to have a big role on this team this year as, as a left-handed kid that can get the ball into the 90s. Um, yeah, I, I think that's – man, I, I'm sure it, it Mike's heart of hearts, he would love to have to – just have a closer um, that comes in and throws one or two innings and locks it down. But, you know, when you when you don't have the depth that you probably desire, then you got to do different things. So if those guys step up and allow either Johnson or Doherty on the back end to shut things down, then, yeah, um, then almost is going to be really good. But, you, you, you know, obviously the hope is and, – and I think Mike will do a good job of this early in the year, especially with the offense that they have. I think he'll do a good job of trying to find guys that, that can bridge it to them. Because um, I remember at one point last year, I mean, it was to the point where, like, Ole Miss was trying to find a bridge to Broadway, and my argument became just burn the damn bridge, just give them the ball and see how it goes, um, which is not a sustainable strategy, but it was at the point last year that you just simply didn't trust anyone else. Um, and, and, and hopefully – Well, we had to get there, which was a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but for Ole Miss, it's like this year you hope there is a bridge to to whoever they decide to put on the back end. And wasn't that another aspect of it? And, like, I, I don't want to – with the with the scholarship thing that Ole Miss deals with, it's very clear to me. Let me ask you this. I, and someone made a good point on this today. Does NIL kind of render that mood at some point? It's a good question. It's something I've asked. So I'm trying to get a uh, – to, to put pull back the curtain on the pod for a bit – they, uh, there's an attorney that um, the my my personal attorney who also birthed me, my mom. Uh, uh, I, was, I was like, where is this going? <laughs> has a uh, law, a law we'll call a law colleague that kind of specializes in IL, and I'm trying to get yeah. him on the podcast to like ask him not only just about the football stuff, but stuff like that. Like, can can said kid in baseball take the NIL money and be like, here you go, Bursar's office, like. <laughs> Here's my yeah. board. I have no idea how that works. I would think to some degree, but like, given the history, that's probably a conversation. We could do three podcasts on that. But like, given the way Ole Miss's scholarship thing has worked out, like, I don't want to sure. like neg them for this because, right, they build up in every third class when they have more right. money. Like, they get the big class, and that's the great Kessinger class, or name the right. couple before that. That's kind of how they have to operate. Last year, they didn't have the freshman newcomer who was just kind of the game changer for this team. I guess you wait, could – Wait, wait, on the, on the mound? Yes. Like – Okay, I was just going to say, because that cat at shortstop is pretty Oh, good. no, 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 no. We're talking bullpen. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said that. Fair enough. Like, they gave them kind of the shot in the arm. Like, could you count – was Doherty a red shirt or was he a true freshman? Nah, I think he was a true freshman. Okay, well, but the guy wasn't even on the travel roster for the first two Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't, didn't have to shot in the arm kit to the Doug Nikhazy, and that's an extreme right, example. Yeah. But Doug Nikhazy in 2019, even if he hadn't become a weekend starter, the kid that, like, 
you're like, who is this? And then by mid-March, you're like, oh, he's a real option. And then, you know, Nikhazy went on to become a legend. But, like, the kid you could rely on. They didn't have any of that last year. Like, none of their new coming pitchers other than discovering Doherty in late April, like, really did much of anything at all. And not that they should yeah. expect that, but I'm just curious if they get that this year. I guess it's Hunter Elliott, but do you get a yeah. second? Uh, Dylan Delusia. So that's another wild card option where you've been on this a couple of times too. We'll just we'll, we'll, we're going all over the place here, but we'll run it back to this. We talked about the rotation not having very uh, none of them having a long leash. We talked about you know if Derek Diamond struggles is the next thing Washburn. Wouldn't another option be a Delusia or a Doherty? Because that's something you've been on as well. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think Delusia can certainly be an option to start at some point. Um, Doherty, obviously, look, Doherty started the regional championship game. Um, and had it not been for rain, would have gone a lot longer than what he did. Um, and I'm pretty sure he started another midweek game and was really good. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Jack Doherty started. Here's the thing that outside of a few um, examples, all of these kids can go start if they need to. Like, these kids were not relievers in high school. Does that make sense? Like, yes. you, you if, now, I can, I can see an argument where a kid, hey, this kid, he's got to start. Like, for example, James MacArthur would not have been a good bullpen option. Um, but I don't really see an issue of someone going from the bullpen to starting. Um, so, yeah, I think Jack Doherty at some point could be a starter. I think Dylan Delusia could be a starter. Um, yeah, I think Ole Miss has a, has a plethora of options to, to, to fill any voids that might come up from a starting pitching standpoint. How long of a leash do you give, say, a Kemp Alderman to figure it out at the plate? Okay, that's that's a question that um, you got to answer, and I'm glad you asked that because you got to answer that before the year, right? Like, I think you can't. Right. Yes, you can't let an O for eleven against College of Charleston say, "Well, kid can't play." Well, he obviously played well enough in the inter squad for you to think he can play. So you can't yank his ass after one bad weekend, because then then he then we're dealing with confidence stuff. So you got to figure out, all right, how long am I willing to watch this kid struggle and try to figure it out? Um, and that's like I said, that's a question we need to have answered probably today. Um, if it's me now, and it's hard for me because I haven't seen Kemp Alderman play. If they declare that Clint Kemp Alderman is good enough to start and help this team, then I'm willing to. If I'm them, I'm giving him at least three weeks. I'm not doing the the Elko thing that they did in 2019 where he has a bad two weeks, they yank him off the field, and you don't really ever see him again. Um, no, no, no. If, if he's good enough to help, like, let him roll into at least the, the weekend before SEC play starts. I'm with you on that as well. I was just curious, like, do you think it changes at all that you have, like, a – look, I know, hey, like, both could be on the – both could be in the lineup at the same time, but, like, you have more options, I guess, than you had in the past, right? You have a Calvin Harris. You have a Hayden Leatherwood. who yeah. probably DH with him in right field or whatever the case may end up being. But you do have more depth and more guys to where Mike could turn around or to the left or the right, wherever the hell that little man stands in the dugout and be like, hey, I got to get these guys at bats. Like, or not have to, but like I could and they're real options. Do you think that changes anything? Because as good as that 2019 team was, and I agree with your premise, there wasn't, unless I'm – revisionist history and just can't remember there wasn't as much behind Elko as a threat to where I feel like that's a little different this year if that makes sense no that's that's fair um yeah 
So it's kind of tough with if, if Alderman's your guy and he struggles. Well, hey, Leatherwood was really good last year. Um, Calvin Harris was good at times. Ben Van Cleve was good at times. Um, so, and you got to find, like, let me be clear. I don't know where it is, and that's what's tough, right? Um, you got to find those guys at bats, whether that's at Kemp Alderman's expense or Reagan Burford's expense, because the other seven guys aren't coming off the field. Now, in saying that, I would and, – and tell me if you think I'm wrong. I expect Calvin Harris to catch the majority, if not all, of the midweek games that are not against Southern Miss and Mississippi State. That's a great um, way so, to put it. The non-consequential ones, yes. Yeah. So, I expect him to get at bats there, but you still got to find Van Cleve and, uh, and Leatherwood at bats if you're going to start Kemp Alderman. Yep, and it's a it's a look. It's a good problem to have if it even sure. is becoming a problem. But I'm with you. I you have to answer this before the season, and you just let it ride. I think you just give it the honestly. I think you give it the non-conference slate. Unless the reserves are terrible, then wait into the SEC play and kind of see what happens. But from everything that it sounds like from that's come out of the fall and the pre and the inter squad preseason, all that they feel like he's turned a corner as a hitter. So like, hopefully you don't even have to address it. But you know what's crazy. We were having this conversation about Tim Elko heading into 2020, and because 2020 season got canceled, we were sort of having this discussion last year. Do you remember the first three weeks? Elko he struggled. Get great. Like, yeah, like he wasn't awful, but it wasn't like, okay, like this guy's set. And then, like, my, my God, by the time June hit, how silly did that look? Like, it's crazy <laughs> how these, these things turn around that quickly, right? Yeah, and, and he took a month off. Yeah, and did the second half of the season, you know, with one healthy leg, which is just crazy. Think of, I mean, hell, the, I'm maybe I'm getting my ears mixed up, but did we not go into this last, past year think like wondering if Kevin Graham could hit left-handed pitching? Yes. Can you play every day? We did. It's crazy no, the Kevin- February questions you have that just not become stupid yeah, that's a- because it's hindsight twenty twenty, but like you just don't know, right? And then you well, decided quickly. If you remember, Kevin Graham in twenty nineteen was the DH against righties. And then 2020, they didn't start him against left-handed pitching. At all. It was um, a the, complete it, non-starter. Yeah. It was like, no, he can't go. And then 2021, it's like, yeah, I don't really care what hand they throw with, I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was he was a matchup guy. It was like, can this guy play every day in left field? And then, you know, halfway into 2021, it's like, actually, yeah, this guy could play pretty much anywhere. <laughs> We'd yeah. catch him if we had to. We just need that matchup. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah that, that question will get answered. We'll see. Um, I hope Alderman proves us not wrong. I don't think either one of us says he can't play. Um, no, I, I just, just have never known. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, had, he had real, real power. He definitely struggled with off-speed stuff. And it seemed like sometimes catch up to velocity. But I'm not going to make some sweeping judgment about the kid in his first year in college baseball, right? No, like, no, just no, the, no. This is the – it's not even a put up or shut up year. It's just like, what are you? That to me is how no. I this year. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I hope for the kid's sake it works out, man. Like – It'd be awesome if Ole Miss could have a guy that hits 280 in the three-hole with, like, 16 homers. Um, so, yeah, um, we'll, we'll find out soon enough. They'll, they'll, they'll have that question answered. I mean, I, I do think – I'll say this. There's, what, two open spots because is – is that right? Two, yeah, we'll say two. Um, and I think it's a combination of Burford, uh, Leatherwood, Alderman, Van Cleve, and Harris to, to fill those two spots. You got seven. Guys that aren't going to come out of the lineup if God, unless, God forbid, an injury happens. And you've got five guys that can really fill two spots for them. I mean, I, I kind of think that's where you're at. You just reminded me of one more thing before we got to the SEC, and I'll let you get out of here. 
uh, Chase had a note on his uh, notebook today at rebelgrove.com that McCants took uh, some a lot of ground balls at shortstop. Now, uh, we could first take this and say, is Jacob Gonzalez his hot seat? <laughs> I don't think that's what the case was, but I don't think it's totally insignificant. I think it's probably if you had to play third base or something like that, yes, but I don't think that's Mike's preference. What do you make of that? Um, no, he I being it, McCants. I, they're, they're not sure. moving Gonzalez. I was just being an asshole. Oh, well, like, well, let me let me ask this. Um, McCants is technically, I believe this is accurate, draft eligible after this year. I, If that is the case, and I think it is, I am not going to be shocked if at some point they put him at shortstop just so scouts can look at it. Is, is that fair? Okay. What do you do so when you I, Gonzalez in that situation, though? You put him at third. I mean, I'm not saying that – I'm not saying they do it against Auburn on a Saturday. I'm saying they do it on, against Memphis on a Wednesday night. Okay, fair. Um, yeah, I'm not suggesting that against, you know, the University of South Carolina or Vanderbilt or Mississippi State rolls in here, you just, like, get scouts a look. But I do think at some point they maybe, maybe showcase him at shortstop because that is his natural position. Um, June 6th birthday. I have no idea what that means. That could not be closer to the line if I tried and I'm too lazy to do the math. No, that's – that's so what year? 2001. No, then he's eligible. Yeah. Um, it's it's 90 days within the draft. So, it's oh, not oh, okay. – it's not on – yeah, then he is draft eligible. Um, so, I, I, I'm not going to be shocked if at some point this year he gets looks at shortstop. Just, you know, whether that's, hey, like, we let – uh, Gonzalez DH this game or whatever it is, just just so that scouts can see that. Uh, dude, good news for Ole Miss fan. Jacob Gonzalez is May 30th, 2002, so congrats to his parents for waiting a year. Ole Miss will have something <laughs> to build around next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ron Rollison's parents couldn't make that happen, unfortunately. Yeah, come on. Well, what is the deal? <laughs> you had to pull the goalie then? You ruined Mike Bianco's 19th year. <laughs> <laughs> So before before this gets totally off the rails, I'll let you go. We got some SEC stuff to get to. Um, just kind of bouncing around. It's always hard to like. There's such a broad net, and one of the things I respect about like Kendall and Aaron Rodgers. I was about to say Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers does <laughs> for college baseball, particularly the non-conference, is like kind of kind of getting a, a a gauge of what everyone is. And look, you can kind of get your bearings mostly, but. Do you have any series that stand out? I know you're busy. I know you're coaching baseball, but are there any? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I know two series. State plays Long Beach, which could be good. Um, yes. I may actually – no, I probably can't. Um, and then LSU plays Maine. That's all I got. Uh, so, you'll have, to, you'll have to tell me what the other series are. Could I interest you in a Michigan-Texas Tech? I have this in front of me. Oh, okay. Okay, Texas Tech. Now, that's not SEC, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. I said SEC, and then I lied and just went around the entire college. Yeah, that's, that's but we are in the non-conference season. Could I interest you in Auburn, Oklahoma, in oh. Auburn, unless this is some round-robin deal I'm battle, not up on? Battle Auburn of the schools. probably going to be the worst team in the West, are they not? Yeah, my boy Butch needs to get that figured out. Um but aren't they like a year and a half removed from Omaha? I say year and a half. Yeah, I think yeah 20, 20, 2019. Um, I think unless Slosh just recruited with it really well, um, I think A&M's not going to be very good. But, yeah. Um, 
That's the battle of the schools. You still have Alabama in that division. Are you thinking Alabama could finish above both of them? I'm not putting you on the spot here. I actually would kind of agree Uh, with that in some sense. Yeah, they they did last year. So, I I mean, I think uh, Bohannon's doing a really good job there to the point that, you know, if I'm not suggesting anything, but just, you know, if almost did have an opening at some point, anytime, not necessarily 2022, maybe 2028. Um, that Bohannon will be a guy I would look at really, really hard. But um, Auburn, Oklahoma, that is the, the battle of the schools that ran Sonny Galloway off. Do you remember Sonny Galloway? I do remember that name, but fill me in on why. He, uh, he, he was at Oklahoma, and apparently he was a real jerk. And then he went to Auburn, and he lasted about a year and a half before they ran him off because he was a real jerk. And somehow or another, he got sued by former players because apparently he was a very, very big jerk. What does he do with that state and hiring dudes like that? Do you remember the guy before Brad Bohan and Greg Gard? Yeah, uh, Goff. Goff, Goff, sorry. They hated him at McNeese. And then he came down. And they hated him at Campbell. Yeah, and then it just pissed people off within a year. Yeah. Yeah, So he was at Campbell, got them put on probation, um, went to Louisiana (laughs) Tech. Got got them put on. Please did take is what it was. You're right. Not yeah, me. and then went to Alabama and allegedly and supposedly uh, just told a whole bunch of kids that they like. There's a process to cutting kids, and it's not hey get the hell out. You know that's that's what apparently Goff did. It, there, there's a process like you say hey you're probably not gonna play here. We'll we'll help you get you know wherever you want to go. It's the the process is not hey get the hell out. I'm recruiting over you. Yes, and without getting too salacious on this podcast, there is a wild story about him being like a donor, like booster thing, and just being like, yes, I cut this guy, this guy, and this guy. Like, what's up? Oh, you're his parents? How are you? Oh, that happened. I didn't know about that. There was something. I, that, 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 um, don't take that as gospel Bible. This is not uh, <laughs> This is not Rippy Wright's reporting or anything, <laughs> that is for sure. But there was some story about him being kind of like a Alabama alumni booster donor yeah. thing. And everyone looking around the room about halfway through and being like, what's this guy's deal? Which is probably not the greatest place to be if, you know, you're the head coach of the program. I think that's about it from the weekend. Like, South Carolina plays Greensboro. They have a decent program. I'm just kind of going through in live action here just spitballing. You see anything in the top 25? Um, Let's see if we got – so D1 would probably have the top 25. Yeah, they they do. We got Oklahoma State Vandy. Not bad. That could get, that, that could get juicy. Yeah, Bandy's got to replace two-thirds of their rotation. They do. Um, I guess Kumar Rocker's just doing independent ball. Um, uh, I don't think – I think he's just uh, – I think he had his surgery and he's doing rehab and he'll be like the fifth overall pick next year. Mississippi State, Long Beach State, to your point. So, when Ole Miss played Long Beach State, they were down, but they're back good. They always pitch the hell of it and play some really nice West Coast baseball. Yeah, I think they make him. Get get a game. I won't be shocked if State sweeps that, though. State's going to be pretty good. Stanford and Fullerton? Okay. It's Fullerton's Yeah, option. sure. Um, Georgia Tech. Now, Fullerton, like, sucks now. I didn't, I, I didn't realize that until last year. And I, was, I, I remember vividly thinking, why is Cal State Fullerton not in a regional? And I went to look. I'm like, oh, they stink. Yeah, if Kendall and them had time to do deep dives, I would love to understand why that program stinks. I'm with you on that one. I don't uh, – yeah. I don't quite get that. I'm just rolling through it. Uh, Georgia Tech gets Wright State. Like, Wright State wins that league. Yeah. I have no idea what Wright State is. Right. If you did, I would be concerned with your health. Well, Wright State – Horizon, by the way. Um, But Wright State had Tennessee beat in a regional, and Tennessee had a walk-off grand slam last year. Oh, that's right. I remember that. 
Oklahoma so, State not, the marquee series. That's seven versus yeah. three. We get UC Irvine, who's actually ranked in D1's top 25, going to the Bayou to face Louisiana Lafayette, who is not ranked. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, Lafayette's an interesting program. Bags probably needs to have a good year this year. It's, it's Well, last year they didn't make the postseason. I don't think they were very good in his COVID-shortened first year. It'd probably be a good year for Degs to make the postseason at Lafayette. That's about all I got. I mean, Texas Rice, but I don't even know what Rice is dealing Rice with. Rice stinks now. Texas is my I'll, – I'll put this out there. Texas is my preseason pick to win the national title. Oh, okay, expand. I mean, I just – they didn't lose much at all against – off the team that was a game away from playing for the national title. Um, I, I just – I think David Price is a really good coach. Um really good pitching or they, they do a really good job from a pitching standpoint i i and they're gonna hand it up i i just if i had to pick the national title winner right now it'd be texas now look that's really long odds of me getting that right but i, I just i do think texas is gonna be really really good this year well if they come to super in oxford it should work oh out. god sorry to have to end the podcast i can't end the podcast on that note uh what's a positive note i hope um, mike gets those uh, well, i mean we could, we could talk about almost basketball if you'd like Actually, before you get – I'll just lob a uh, – speaking of a team that doesn't know how to do lobs for dunks, there's occasionally, outside of the million dollars I pay you to right. podcast, I allow you to speak your mind about other issues, very important issues that affect the fabric of our very society. All this loss last night to South Carolina. And to me, I wrote about this uh, on Wednesday – it was less about what happened versus what happened after. I'll just tee you Yeah, up I, all right. So, so you're going to have to walk me through some things because I'm, I'm coaching a basketball game last night where I'm almost about passed out in an anxiety attack um, because we can't not turn the ball over. Anyways, um, what happened at the end? I saw the quotes, but I, I, and I saw the shot. I didn't watch a second of it. I just saw on Twitter they lost on a half-court shot. What why, what did Matt Morell do wrong? Okay, so you'll have to forgive me on this, too, because I actually had to go back and watch this. I was writing as the game was happening because, shocker, I, at mid-February at this point, I'm not locked into this train wreck of a basketball team. I was working on transcribing and writing a story that hopefully comes out this week if, you know, I can stay up all night and get this thing done. But basically what happened was they get into overtime. Ole Miss has a Absolutely terrible possession. It's 74-74 at the end of the first over. That's a, that's a shock that almost had a bad possession late in the game, by the way. Well, I'll, I'll send you a video after we get done recording. It, it is horrendous. So, it's 74-74, something like that, with about 31 and a half seconds left. So, there's a one and a half seconds difference between the shot clock and the game. Right. So, almost basically has the last shot, barring something ridiculous, right? You miss, it clanks off the iron, you tip it up for the rebound, it's over with. Like, you basically have the last shot. The shot clock's not sure. Ole Miss basically has Jarkel Joyner dribble at the top of the key to where he's, you know, they eliminated the five-second on-ball call this year, so you can just dribble as long as you want to until the shot clock. I did not know that. I wish they'd eliminate that in high school, but go ahead. Yeah, they should probably add a shot clock in high school, but eliminate the five-second deal. So Joyner's just sitting there for about 25 seconds. Then he goes in the corner, and he's not really trying to do anything. Look, Joyner has his limitations as to trying to beat people, but he was very clearly not trying to do much of anything. And then they run kind of a halfway screen and roll where Nasir Brooks actually screens more of air than he does any, like, sort of human wearing a whatever jersey South Carolina has. Scarlet. Yeah, Scarlet. And then Joyner, to his credit, gets a decent shot. Fake guy comes up, 
hits him, but Joyner moved to the side. They've been taught to not to call that foul, blah, 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 whatever. Now there's one and a half seconds left because you have a shot clock violation. So, like, you talk about um, bad turnovers. The one thing you can't have is a dead ball turnover. Yeah, it's got to hit the rim. To end ball in the basketball. Oh, no, this thing did not hit the rim. He was asking for a foul. It did not. It was not a foul. Now you have 1.5 seconds left. They go to the monitor. I think they move it back to, like, 1.9. So, they have 1.9 to get the ball off the floor. Basically, what happened was is he had two guards run back towards the basketball, which is exactly what Ole Miss wants them to do, right? In that situation, if he catches it anywhere going away from the rim, he's toast. Like, You're fine, yeah. Right. Well, Joiner, the guy fakes the inbounds pass that Kermit chose not to guard. He did not have a defender on the inbounds pass. He had a seven-foot guy on his roster, just to be clear, by the way, right? Yes, he correct? does. Yes, he does. Okay. Yeah. Well, Morell. I wouldn't say the guy went for the steal. He was running after the guy running back, and the guy pivoted backwards. And I would say Joiner, or excuse me, Morell overcommitted a little bit. But the guy changed course to go back towards his own basket. Like, can you can get what I'm going now to where he's going back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's score on. So he ran a hitch route. Pretty much. And to be credit, that guy would make Matt Stafford proud. He hit the guy in the window correctly, and the guy threw it up from half court and won. But Kermit goes into the game after and is like, Matt went for a steal. All we were trying to do is a safety valve. It's like, that's not really what happened. Like, Morell was running after the guy, which is probably foolishly. Like, don't overcommit that much, right? Because if the guy catches it going away from his own, like his basket and toward the inbounder, it's over. It probably wasn't great defense, but Morell was not making some selfish play to make a steal. He just kind of got caught in a bad spot. And, you know, I mean, the guy made a half-court shot, but Kermit made a point to throw his – uh you know, the guy he needs to keep the most next year under the bus because the dude banked in a half quarter. He's going to get – he's going to get another year, isn't he? I don't know. So, before really? this – and, you know, I, like, we've argued about this in text messages time after time. Like, I would say I'm more conservative, to say the least, on the side of give this guy another year. But if they go lose Saturday at Georgia, why? I, I don't if, – if you, if you were like, why do I give him another year, I wouldn't have an answer for you. So – Two weeks ago, I'd have said sure. The the uh, I guess what the um right. like rough and injury sealed it, right? Yeah, yeah. If you be real honest losing nine you. in a row to end the season, Brian, I'm gonna be real honest with you. Like the 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 mantra is, you know, it got all these injuries. They were gonna suck before the injury. I'm they glad got you the, that because do you know what he said on radio? Oh my God, that they were an NCAA tournament team. Kermit, you got your ass kicked in Atlanta by Western Kentucky. You lost to Samford, Chief. Like, this team sucks. I'm sorry. But, like, it, it, you were bad before the injuries. I know they beat Memphis, who's playing a little better now, but Memphis sucked back then. I just – So say – and here's my, here's my question, and, and, I'll, and, and, and I'll let it go after this. What is the purpose of keeping him another year is my question. Because this shit's not getting better next year. It's not. They don't have guys that are going to come in and fix this. <laughs> I'm glad I teed you off. So I'll provide the counter argument. I'm not telling you I believe this by any stretch. But so Kerman made those comments last night, and I got that screenshot from, I would say. That pissed me min- off. Minimum five people. Now, look, one, we have to consider the source because I think this was via the radio network, and the guy that put that out, I would say, tries to get a reaction sometimes. Just take it from its case. I'm not, I'm not caping for Kermit in that sense. Look, there's really but no – I mean, that's probably what he said. 
Right, right, exactly. There's really not a, a great way to take that out of context, right? Unless he was asked yeah. specifically, do you believe this is a tournament team fully healthy? Then what is he going to say? No, actually, we, I thought we were going to stop from November on. Yeah, I don't sure. think that's what he was asked, but whatever. So I actually sort of, to be a Kermit apologist for a second, I could sort of get what he has in his head. There's a world where point guard Deshaun Ruffin and wing Jarkel Joyner are kind of a MF or to handle. Like that, that they could work off each right. other well, and that could be a good SEC tandem. And then you know, you add Robert Allen into the front court mix. If you told me that team got through the SEC at ten wins and won enough games to get an at-large bid, I'd be like, okay, I could see that. But I could see that. That's not a guarantee. And every single team deals with injuries. Alabama's missing a five-star and is going to be a seven seed. The they Houston popped the hell out of state tonight. In the American, are missing their top two scorers and have been since the beginning of November and have lost a combined two games since they went out. So like. It's one thing to say fully healthy, this team is a tournament team. If that's in a vacuum, I could say, okay. But the real, like, I guess the accurate statement would be a fully healthy version of this team could be a tournament team. Okay. You could I, I'm going to. But to say I'm, that after you lost to South Carolina on the heels of losing to a Missouri team twice that's going to be looking for a new coach is nonsensical. And I'll throw it to you this way. I'll drop a bomb to end it. It probably pisses off your AD, does it not? It would absolutely piss me off. Um, I'll say this. Even if I agreed, and, and I'm not even necessarily saying you think it's an NCAA tournament team if they're healthy, because I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't. Um, but even if that was true, Brian, like, what, what is what does that fix? How is this going to get better next year? Because Jarkel, last I checked, Jarkel Joyner is out of eligibility. I think um, he has one more year, actually. I've been diving into he? this. Okay. I think he has oh, that, That's good for the Rebels. Yes. Um, I think. Don't don't but, quote me on that, but I, I would say I'm about 80% sure. I'm pretty sure he can come back. Okay. Um, but here's my thing. Like, let's let's do this from a from, – Ty Fagan's gone. Is anybody else – Nasir Brooks is gone. Um, and so – to be an NCAA tournament team next year, which at this point, maybe I'm crazy. If they don't go to the NCAA tournament, he's done, right? Next year, if he does get next year, it's like NCAA. It's like kind of the, the deal with Mike is kind of Omaha or bust. He's got to make the tournament next year. He's gone, right? Barring some insane circumstance where his top three players all sure. ACL. Yeah, you know, yes, yes. The sure. Um, but I guess my point is, we're supposed to trust this guy who has not shown the ability to recruit well or evaluate talent well to go get guys to get him to the tournament next year when he's got to replace guys that can that are probably two of his better players. Um, I don't I don't really buy that he's going to be able to do that. I, I don't think I think it's at this point. We can talk about the injuries. We can talk about all that. I do not think Ole Miss is going to get any better under Kermit Davis. You can you can massage it for a year if you want, but at some point the it's gonna come time to make a decision, and I just don't really get delaying it for a year. Maybe I'm crazy, and maybe that's wrong. Um, I haven't followed it as closely as, as I probably should have, or or usually do this year. I just at some point I I feel like a decision is gonna have to be made, and I've always been in the standpoint or or in the camp of if you know it's not going to work you need to get it over as soon as possible well you just poked holes in the counter argument I would have had for that right because the selling point to get another year is it really actually wasn't that hard for Kermit maybe don't lose to Missouri twice 
and yeah. then if you find a way to beat South Carolina. You can so, sell six and twelve, right? Like you could sell seven and eleven. Right, but selling three and whatever this is going to be to lose nine in a row if they go lose. If he loses to this Tom Crean Georgia team, I, I it's over. It. Yeah, it has to be, does it not? That's a weirdly consequential game. God almighty. Like, the selling don't. point is this. The selling point is we never got Ruffin and Joyner healthy together, which is true. Sure. That is true. Fair. They played like three games in December together, and that was it. And, you know, I think they could actually be a tandem that feeds off each other. I really do believe that's the case. You keep Morrell, you keep Brakefield, whatever he is. Again, that's been underwhelming. That's one of their stories. But you keep that core and build around him. But the way you just poked holes in the thing I was going to rebut, not that I even believe this, is how do you trust this staff to rebuild around them? They're going to – to make the tournament, they're going to have to take that core and get them better with shooting – and a little bit of rebounding, and a little bit more savvy defensive post play. And did I mention shooting? A lot more shooting in the portal. And they've shown no prowess to do that. So that's the case for next year, as you were asking for. But you just kind of answered, I guess, the question I was going to pose you is, like, do you trust them to do that? The answer is a resounding no, is it not? All right. What were they awful at last year? Why, why did last year's team not make the NCAA tournament? Because they couldn't score the basketball. What could they specifically not do that? They couldn't shoot. They couldn't shoot for – They the could point. not shoot. Brian, they how did they a really good big in Romello White, which is a damn yeah. shame that he had to play during how, that. How, how did they answer that problem in the transfer portal? They took three high school kids that are not considered high major players. That and, they took Ty, and they took Ty Fagan, who is not a three-point shooter. No, but if they took Ty Fagan and a three-point shooter, Ty Fagan offers value for them. Absolutely. What they're asking him to do is ridiculous. It's not fair. And then they just dog cuss him on the bench on – Tuesday night, apparently. And then apparently he – so I never saw that. I wasn't paying attention to the game. I, I didn't either, but someone texted it to me. I, I, I probably shouldn't have said that because I didn't see it. No, 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 it's true. It's, no, 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 you're not you're, – this is not some salacious deal. That, this apparently happened and was readily available. The perfect irony in all this, apparently you can't hide when you dog cross a player when there's not enough uh, people in the building to make noise. So y'all cusses him, but then he goes in the he goes into the press conference and admits that Todd Higgins has been playing on one leg for two weeks. It's like, bro, what? On top of that, to add on top of that, who's the guy you need to keep? The guy you just threw under the bus and Matthew Morrell. Like, what 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 are we doing? Is there any part of Keith that like is? I mean, he's uh, for all intents and purposes, all intents and purposes. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's he's the one that pretty much made this hire, right? Yes, all his speaking intuition, I would say he's done a complete 180 on the benefit of the doubt. I think he's upset about this. Just, again, call it a hunch. Wink, wink. What do you think he's upset about? The product, the fact that they can't score, the fact that they're down two guys and we're acting like this is a team with a bunch of walk-ons that we should be thankful that they uh, take the floor every night. That's my words. That is getting old. I'm I'm just – I'm projecting. Okay. Would they go – would they have any shot at White in Florida? That's his guy. That's his buddy. But why would you sell – like, how do you sell that? Because if, have you seen his approval rating down here? Yeah. Game? Are they going to make the tournament? I don't know. If they don't, he's done. Yeah. But, I don't know. But that's my thing. Like, and this is what makes it so freaking hard for me. It's like – yeah, I don't really think this Kermit thing is working. What the hell's the answer, though? Well, 
Do you remember a guy they could have hired in the middle of Tennessee who is now at Wake Forest who has them as like a top 20 team? His name's Steve Forbes. Yeah, Steve Forbes. Brian, <laughs> you want me to be completely honest with you. Um, I, I think – and, and people are going to take this the wrong way. Um, when AK was here, people are going to be like, you should hire AK back. No, I'm not. When AK was here, I think there, there was a question of, all right, is what we're doing under AK the ceiling for Ole Miss basketball? I think it might be time to answer the question that, yeah, what AK did is probably the ceiling for Ole Miss basketball. If you're not going to have the, the commitment level from an infrastructure and recruiting standpoint, I think, what, I think AK got the most juice out of the tomato that he could get. Um, I don't think you can do much more than what he did. Through the seven years, eight years we've known each other, or whatever it is now, it's probably longer than that. I just don't really want to look back on how long it's been since <laughs> I went to college, so grace me on that. The thing we probably butted heads about the most was the whole AK area and the end of it. And look, by the end of it, it was probably time for a switch. But sure. I was probably wrong. I mean, not probably. I think I was wrong about that because it didn't always look like the prettiest product. They were – I didn't think they were great defensively under AK ever, but every coach has no. calls. You know what they never had a problem with under AK? They could score it, by God. Five points and having a guy that could fill up a gym, which – I was about to say – I meant to say fill up a rim, but fill up a gym works too. People would come to see Steph Moody even. They saw Absolutely. The product and you're like – I mean, they're two years removed from a tournament berth and they couldn't get anyone in that gymnasium the other night. Yeah, it's and and Chase made a good point on Twitter. The hell's gonna happen on Saturday? Is it this Saturday or next Saturday when they play a home game next. at the same time a baseball game is going on? It's next, and they're lucky. They're there's gonna the be league. there's gonna be a thousand people at that game. Oh, that's generous. It's kind of it maybe there's gonna be a thousand people there maybe. Well, we just uh, retired my podcast open. I was going to do an open on this solo, but I don't have to now. So you'll get uh, – we'll, we'll toss in a nice bonus check for that at the end. Uh, of the I, I appreciate it. And, and I don't know. I'm, I'm probably a little bit more frustrated than I should be with, with Kermit. And I think some of it, honestly, is, is the post-game stuff. I'm tired of watching kids you recruited – you just run down and, and like, the stuff with Fagan on the sideline, like, I, I didn't really appreciate that, but, like, whatever, coach your team the way you want to. The stuff in the, the media postgame that's, that's really starting to bother me, on top of obviously being three and whatever the hell he is. He did that when he was winning. Like, the, the yeah. I went back earlier. I actually texted Borky earlier today or when I was looking this up for the Wednesday newsletter, and I was like, Hey, shout out to SuperDoc for getting a functioning website because I just went and found an article in 2019 for in 10 <laughs> seconds. That's a that's a conversation for another day. That whatever. But anyway, I he they had that game in 2019 where if they were at Arkansas, Arkansas badly needed the win. They were at the end of the Mike yes. They lost six in a row. And Ole Miss, if they won that game, it was undoubtedly they were punching their ticket to the tournament. It's why I got sent up there. So they're down one with about seven or six. They run points. the Statue of Liberty to Dom. Right, that he's supposed to hand the ball off to Brian Tyree. Backer, who, in theory, the, like, action of it, right, get Brian Tyree, you know, a 25-foot head start and get him racing up the floor to put up a shot is fine. But the way they set up – and the Kermit will forget more basketball than I'll ever know – but they set it up to where there was no protection with it. So he threw it to Dom. They knew what he was doing. And so two dudes came up to guard Tyree after he threw the inbounds in. And, of course, Dom's like, I'm not throwing that to him. I'm not handing it off to him. 
And then he throws it away in the game ends. But Kermit goes in the post game and goes, we've been running that play for two decades. Never had a guy not hand it off to the guy. I'm like, did we watch the same game? How in the world could he have physically handed it off to the guy? It's the throwing dudes under the bus that I don't understand. Yeah, that's, that's what's getting off. And part of it is, like, you don't want to see kids getting attacked, and I get that. Like, they, that's just me as a fan. I don't, I don't really like seeing kids getting attacked like that uh, when, they, when they chose to go put on an Ole Miss jersey. And um, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's just a, when you look at the attendance and everything. And, and I'll say this. I'm not like, you must fire Kermit Davis. I think, like, if you ask my opinion, I don't think this is ever going to work out. So – if that's the case, then I think the deci- if I am making the decision, I'm going to make it sooner rather than later. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, like Ole Miss basketball, I, I could easily be wrong. Um, you know, if, if Keith decides to keep covering another year, I hope it works out. But it just, man, it just feels like it's it's to the point where, I don't know, it just kind of feels like you're at a crossroads with, with this basketball program. Because, I mean, let's be real. Um, when you consider AKs last year and 18 and then 19 was a tournament team, but 20 through whatever, 22 now, it's not been really good teams. Um, and so, you don't, you know, there was a time where Ole Miss basketball under AK kind of modeled consistency. Now, the consistency didn't get you to the NCAA tournament as much as you wanted. Um, but right now, it just kind of feels like it's – here, here's what worries me, Brian, if I'm honest. Um, I'm a person that, like, when Rod Barnes was the coach here, I was the dude that on Wednesday night was listening to the radios to let watch his team score 52 points in Fayetteville or Baton Rouge or wherever the hell they were. And, like, man, I haven't watched the game in three weeks. Like, like, I, I'm, I'm fearful that apathy is going to run amok around this fan base, and you don't get – it's hard to get apathetic back. Like, you, it, it's easy to get the guys that are pissed off back. It's hard to get people that are apathetic back. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, ask Matt Luke. The counter argument again is like I'm still just grasping for straws here. Do you know what jobs are going to come open? Georgia, That's Missouri, fair. South Carolina. They're gonna fire Frank. Maybe. I mean, hell, they may have saved his job last night. Who the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm trying to think who else. Um, state, state, like jobs that are in similar regards. Is, like, is Buzz in any danger? No, I think Buzz gets another year. I think Buzz needs to recruit at a level to where he shows up on campus next year with guys that are like, hey, we've actually heard of these dudes. So, no. But, I mean, I guess it wouldn't – I think he's a good coach. I think he's been underwhelming from a recruiting aspect there. So Florida Florida going to be one of those? Yes, but I think that's a different tier than Ole Miss is fishing in. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I think the the Missouri job is a different tier than Ole Miss is fishing in. Um, probably to some degree, but there's three, four jobs that are kind of in that tier. Like, do you just Georgia is? Yeah, like, do you just kind Georgia of, should like, be a good basketball job? Georgia should be a good everything, everything. We 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 always have this conversation. I mean, like, we as like a collective sports fandom, it's like, why does Georgia suck at this? And the answer is they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, like just go to Atlanta. Get some cats. They can play ball. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it'll be a fascinating uh, basketball season and uh, baseball season as well. Before we end up rolling till midnight, I'll let you get out of here, my friend. I appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll holler at you at the end of the weekend. We'll have three games under our belt. How about that? Absolutely, absolutely. sounds good, my man. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I really appreciate it. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Whatever you uh, whatever you may be doing. 
Uh, I really appreciate you making us a uh, small part of it. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with Mailbag Friday and Skybox's NASCAR guru. This guy, I'm telling you, is the real deal. He had a wheel in the camera shot the entire time we were recording, and then he had to jump immediately off to get to an odd race. This guy eats, sleeps, breathes, and poops NASCAR. Guy's unbelievable. So you're not going to want to miss that. We'll be back on Friday. Get your mailbag questions in and have a great Thursday.